You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Bets. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the week two NFL edition of Benny and the Bets. I'm Ben Heisler. I'll be joined by Dan Carpuck on the other side. He's right there. You can see his uh, his gorgeous mug next to mine. We are, of course, presented by our friends over at PXG. If you have not checked out the fall apparel, I went ahead and stocked up. Got like this gorgeous like maroon polo that I can feel pretty good about. Uh, everything is like finally ready for fall. So if you kind of need to update the, the golf wardrobe a little bit, maybe go to that overstock section where there's like 60% off a bunch of apparel. And of course, if you're looking to upgrade the set, Gen 6 driver, which uh, beat out 93% uh, of its competitors during the driver challenge in the month of August. Got to head on over, go see my friends Alex, Marcus, Jake, uh, the rest of the crew at their store in Overland Park. They will take such good care of you. They'll make that experience super personalized. Please check them out, pxg.com, or head on over to their store in Overland Park over at 119th and Blue Valley Parkway. All right, so... Dan Carbook is somebody that I wanted to have on this show for for quite some time, and there's very good reason behind it. Uh, not only is he one of the, the sharpest people I know, but he's also one of the really good dudes in the sports betting industry and someone that you should be following uh, his work, whether it be at BetQL, whether it be on Twitter or X at Daniel Carpuck. Um, He just got ranked, uh, according to SharpRank, uh, the top props better in the NFL heading after week one. What'd you go, 18 and nine in, in week one, Dan? I think it was, uh, well, now counting yesterday, 24 and 12. We're off to a hot start. Very yeah. hot start. Well, uh, thank it. And <laughs> I, I should mention, you know, there's there's always going to be some some ebbs and flows, but um, I know that Dan is one of the best in this industry. Uh, he's super transparent, which I always appreciate. He'll talk about losses as much as he'll talk about wins. Um, and you're going to have to come back too for, for NBA because for as knowledgeable as you are when it comes to talking football, um, the, the league, uh, the association, that's where, uh, that's where the bread is buttered. So first of all, welcome to Benny and the bets. It's uh, great to finally have you on with us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We've been talking about doing this for a while. So happy that after the months and months of talking about it, we're, we're actually getting it done here. I'm excited. Very excited. So there's plenty to discuss as we head into week number two. I think before we dive into the slate itself, and I know that you already have uh, your five top props of the week, which we'll go over. We'll go over some of the line movement for the game. Certainly some interesting plays, both on the props market as well as the movement on the Chiefs side. Now that Chris Jones is back, we'll talk about the local angle there. I think more importantly, Dan, as somebody who has really found an opportunity to Target in on the prop market. And by the way, you can also check out Dan's show on the BetQL network as well on Saturdays uh, to go over your props for the upcoming Sunday and Monday slate. Let, let's kind of start with your process a little bit. I'd love to let our audience get a better sense of when you're putting together your numbers, when you're putting together where you're looking to find the right value. You kind of walk us through sort of where you're seeing it and, and kind of what that process might look like. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So as you know, Ben, but as people might not know, what we do at BetQL is basically try to key in on that value. So we have a rating system where if you go and subscribe to our premium product, we'll rank everything from one to five stars. So what I like to do at the beginning of the week 
is key in on those five-star plays. So for example, if we're looking at a total, um, I'm going to go right now onto the site, sort by five-star picks. I'll do this in real time. The Colts and Texans over 39 and a half is a five-star play. We project 44. So right there, we know that those Colts and those Texans player props are going to be undervalued. So something that I like to do um, right away there is get try to key in on that value. So looking back into previous performance, now that we have a week behind us, we can look at those week one snap counts. I think that's very, very telling. So when we talk about someone like Christian McCaffrey, as we'll get to in my five uh, best player prop bets, we can see snap counts. We now have that information rather than looking back at week one, our approach was, okay, what can we try to deduce from the preseason and see from that third preseason game? Oh, who played with the starters? Who didn't? Now we have that really solid, well, it is just a one game sample size. We are able to look back and see what happened. That's why when we were looking back yesterday with Jordan Addison, for example, I was really high on Jordan Addison just because in week in uh, in the first game in week one, he saw 56% of snaps, but he had such a high opportunity with those limited snaps. So yesterday he busted off that big touchdown, which was great. I would have liked him to get me one more reception, would have cashed a lot more money there. But I think that there are these data points we could look at. And what I like to do, like I said, check BetQL right away. Um, but we are able to look at situations as well where last week, if a, if a team specifically gave up a ton of rushing yards, I like to look at that data and say, okay, I'm going to make a mental note of this when I look at the running back situation for this week. And if it just so happens that this running back is not a running back committee, then I like to circle that and absolutely key in on those guys. So that's generally what I like to try to do. I think of it the same exact way that BetQL's model does, where where can I get the most potential value here immediately and key in on that rather than looking at a specific player in a good matchup and trying to um, you know, just root for a player that's in a good situation. I try to look for value specifically. So without necessarily giving away the secret sauce to how the BetQL model is able to formulate um, these rankings from one to five stars, but can you give us a sense of sort of what data it's pulling in? Is it looking at not necessarily just week over week trends, but is it looking at historical trends? Is it looking at coaching matchups? Um, you know, I, I think what's so interesting about week two in the NFL is that it's a great time historically to fade the teams that are likely overvalued from from week one into week two. And we'll get into a couple of those games as well. And to really jump on the teams that kind of let a lot of betters down in week one inversely. So where are some of those data points likely coming from when it's making that evaluation? Yeah. So like you mentioned, historical data is a big part of that. We go back, you know, three years roughly um, for each team when we make our, our model assessments with that. But we're, we're doing everything. We're doing coaching trends. That's, a, that's an, a, a pretty important aspect. We have those on all of our game pages. So, for example, something crazy like Sean McVay has gone 12-1 straight up after his team controls the ball for 34-plus minutes per game, and they did that last week. So if you want to be super contrarian, you could do that. Um, but we take into account pretty much everything, whether we have actual ratings uh, for every single quarterback in the league. So, for example, 
when Aaron Rodgers got injured, we were able to adjust our line for this week's game um, when Zach Wilson was under center and how much of a downgrade was that. Um, so we're able to do that for every game as well. Um, all the statistical matchup points. So um, we have every team graded in terms of uh, run defense, pass defense, um, all the different advanced uh, advanced statistics as far as that's concerned as well. So with every single projection that we make, there's dozens and dozens of data points that go into that. And as the week goes on, um, if the line moves in the direction of our model, it those star ratings were, you know, it might have been a five-star bet early in the week. Uh, those could go down to a two-star or one-star bet as the week goes on if that line moves towards where our model uh, has that projection. And of course, news can impact all of that as well. So um, if news breaks in real time, say in this 49ers-Rams game, say Matthew Stafford for some for some reason uh, was ruled out uh, a day ahead of uh, game time, our model is able to adapt to that and put out a projection immediately when that news breaks. So you could really jump on that right away. So with a sport like football, where people are getting injured left and right, unfortunately, I think that makes our tool uh, that much more impactful. All right. So lastly, when we kind of look at your betting strategy and philosophy as a whole, why why props more so than, than totals, spreads, money lines? Is it purely for the value of the number? Um, is it because there's so many that it's harder for a lot of the books to be able to to stay on point with some of these numbers? Why the gravitation for you personally? Yeah, bingo. I think it, there's just many more opportunities to key in on that value. The, the books can't keep up with all of the different situations. And also, I played DFS for like 12, 13 years now, yeah. and I got in this mindset of evaluating these players for value from that perspective. So basically I take that personal mindset where I'm looking for these like situations in DFS where these mid-tier value guys that are mispriced specifically or even these sleepers and keying in on them like Puka Nakua last week was was one of my darlings. Tutu Atwell, these guys I've I've known from DFS over the years and finally when they're getting an opportunity while well, Puka's a, a, a rookie. Um, but when when I see a guy that's going to get an opportunity like that and the targets have to go somewhere, I'm kind of taking that evaluation process right into uh, you know my player prop betting uh, strategy. All right. So one other one, and then we'll we'll start to dive into the slate. We'll we'll talk Chiefs. We'll talk Jaguars. Uh, certainly on the board, I know that there's a prop in that game that you like. We'll also go through some of the other key games on the slate here as well. Um, where are you when it comes to inherently diving into futures bets? Obviously, if we're talking about value, so much of it is is right time, right place, right projection. Is there anything within your process, whether it be through BetQL or just individually on your own, where you're saying to yourself, you know... MVP is going to be very saturated at the beginning portion of the year. There might be a few names, like maybe you got on Tua in the early portion because you didn't trust his health. Um, you know, maybe there's a, a coach of the year candidate not named, say, Dan Campbell, um, that might actually be in play um, as somebody that sort of follows a, a more likely model as opposed to sort of the trendy pick. Is that something that's part of what you guys do at BetQL as well, looking at the futures market? Um, and if not, where do you typically like to start your research there? Yeah, so on on the BetQL editorial team, 
um, that I manage, we we definitely do a lot of this analysis, trying to find that value once again. I think on the personal side, um, so, like a sport like the NFL is so like is it, the health of the quarterback is so so important. So I typically, with my hard-earned money, typically stay away in the NFL. However, in a sport like the NBA, um, you know, which hopefully I'll come on and talk NBA with you. Uh, in the invitation, future. Dan, you know that. <laughs> um, in that sport, I think, you know, something that I've already bet is uh, season win totals. Uh, there's a ton of value in that market right now. Um, in, my, in my view, like I already bet Wizards over 26 and a half. That could be a whole nother podcast by itself right there. Um, but uh, but it, to make the playoffs, to not make the playoffs, those types of bets, I think right now uh, in the NBA or something I'm looking at, as far as NFL, like you said, it's basically like for, for MVP, we know it's going to probably be Patrick Mahomes. Um, if he gets injured, it's basically, you know, the analysis there is kind of capped a little bit in terms of, okay, if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, He's going to put up crazy numbers, but um, if he doesn't, then like there's just there's just a, a, something odd about about creating analysis like that where you know if a guy gets injured, this guy will probably be in the running. It's the same thing with the Heisman this year in in college football. It's it's Caleb Williams, but if he gets injured or something happens, then you know the next guys on the board would be this, this, and this. But it's hard to actually place a bet like that. So for that reason, I kind of just stay away from from anything football related. Um, in past years, it maybe was a different story, but I think we're getting into like Michael Jordan and LeBron territory when it comes to, uh, you know, with someone like Patrick Mahomes right now, where um, this guy is going to put up consistent number. He's he's going to deliver. His team's going to win. And it, it, it's really hard to make a case to bet anybody else. Completely fair. All right. Plenty more ahead with Dan Carpook of BetQL. Uh, if I mentioned it already, uh, make sure you guys are following him at Daniel Carpook. He posts a bunch of his plays, also tracks them as well at BetQL.com. You can also check out his show on Saturday night's NFL Prop Zone. Um, looking at it right now on his Twitter page, plus 82 and a half units uh, during the NBA season. And uh, as somebody who, uh, there's only a few people, Dan, that I have uh, the what is it called, like the alarm button on Twitter or X when it comes to, to different tweets that come out. It's like my buddy Jeff Passan, um, you know, Ken Rosenthal, Adam Schefter. Um, you are one of those people because wow. I know that if there's coming, if there's something coming out, especially during NBA season, uh, I want to make sure that that I'm tailing it as well. So now that is some ahead. company. That is some company right there. Yeah, I appreciate like, like, that. Take that, take that to your your bosses at BeckQL and be like, all right. This this is why I need yet a, yet another raise, and it I mean, the record speaks for itself. But but I am I am a newsmaker, ladies and gentlemen. This is it, it, listen. It, it at some point too, maybe some of the numbers move uh, when some of your bets come out as well. Like that's that's how you know. That's how you know when you're really starting to to continue to to make a mark in this industry. Plenty more ahead with Dan. Stay with us. This is Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey guys, it's Benny Heiss from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. 
This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PSG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. All right, Dan Carbuck is here from BetQL. Um, he's available on a wide variety of resources, but the, the easiest place where you can find his work is over at BetQL.co. Um, let's start with the Chiefs and the Jags. This is uh, a matchup that, you know, you talk to, to Chiefs fans Friday, Saturday of last week. Uh, there was some legitimate concern. Uh, you had Kadarius Tony dropping everything that came his way. Sky Moore, uh, who was one of the guys that I was very high on. Um, when his number was at 575 for total receiving yards. I, I thought, and I talked about it on this show, the Chiefs targeted the slot. We talk about sort of connection to the daily fantasy world, Dan. The Chiefs targeted slot receivers last year by more than 300 yards to the number two team in the NFL, which was the Minnesota Vikings. So those were going to go somewhere. And I still think Sky has a very good chance to, to pass that total, but one game sample doesn't necessarily make you feel good. Let's talk about this game collectively as a whole, on the the numbers and then maybe work our way towards some of the prop markets as well. So Jags are one to know they're at home chiefs. 0 and one, this has been a chiefs team historically over the last couple of years that has had a really difficult time covering the spread above three or more. And now that Travis Kelsey is likely to play now that Chris Jones is back, we've seen this line basically move from, from two, two and a half now over to three and a half. You still might be able to find three, uh, at a couple of places, and we've seen a big move on the total going from 50 and a half to 51, 51 and a half as well, which is a pretty key number. Give me your overall assessment of not just this game, but also kind of your expectations for the Chiefs and, and whether we can kind of throw week one out and basically say, you know, there were so many different weird things in play, um, and Detroit's a pretty good team, or is this something that we really need to pay attention to? Yeah, I think we could definitely throw week one out. Like you just mentioned, Travis Kelsey wasn't there. He's going to be a gigantic part of this offense operating in the middle of the field. He's that guy that Patrick Mahomes can go to and really rely on. We found out that Kadarius Tony is not that guy, um, <laughs> at least uh, in week one. I don't. I think he's going to have to go out there and prove himself. Um, but like you said, also, Chris Jones wasn't there on the defense. I do think that the Lions are a solid team as well. Um, heading into this game, though, BetQL is giving the Chiefs a, let's see, 58.6% chance to win the game. We're projecting them to put up 27 points, so a nice healthy amount there. Uh, we expect them to win 27 to 25. Um, I do have to mention, though, 
that there is a trend that if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be a little scared of. It is that Doug Peterson, under Doug Peterson, I should say, Jacksonville has gone 5-0 and straight up as a home underdog. So when they were put in this situation last season, they thrived and they took care of business in all five of those meetings. So that is important to mention, as well as the fact that Doug Peterson is 15-4 and against the spread as a home underdog in his career. So in this situation, under Doug Peterson, his teams have really come to play. Um, now, that, with that being said, with Travis Kelsey hopefully back for this game, uh, you know, we have Patrick Mahomes thriving here, 27 completions, 290 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and an interception. I think those are like the lowest baseline numbers that you could project in this matchup for him. Um, I think the sky's the limit. Someone that's popping in our model right now, love it or hate it, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 110 receiving yards is our wow. projection for him with a receiving touchdown. So I would probably be a little scared of that one, um, <laughs> depending on what his line, uh, what his what his yardage mark is there. But he is popping this week in our model. We expect him to catch one of those really deep passes here. And then on the other side, Trevor Lawrence, we project 260 passing yards for him, two touchdowns in an interception. Um, but overall, Calvin Ridley, who I'll get to when we talk about my favorite player props, 120 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown for him is our projection there on that side. But overall, we project this to be a really tight game. There's not really much value on either side of it, um, which is also something to note. But um, that I do have to mention, though, that the over is getting 97% of the total money here. So it seems like, uh, you know, sharp bettors, public bettors alike are really liking a high scoring game here and uh, a potential of a shootout over 51. And what's interesting about the the play on Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the prop market is actually reflective of the the BetQL model. You know, for, for somebody like, like Marquez, and granted, the Chiefs offense is dynamic. Um, there's so many different weapons. You have the best quarterback in the league, and, and I don't think that's hyperbole to say that with Mahomes. The, the prop for him to score an anytime touchdown is not particularly high. You know, shop around a little bit, but I, I'm seeing it at, at plus 190 at DraftKings. I, I don't think there's value there at all. Seeing a couple other books at plus 250, it might come out a little bit higher and you might see that number move as the, as the week goes on. Um, and maybe if Kelsey is officially ruled in, maybe that number goes up as well. But I think that's very interesting that for, for somebody who is you kind of looked at as you know a, a nice deep threat option who's probably going to be targeted four to six times a game. That seems like an awfully low number for his prop to score an anytime touchdown. I'm actually shocked at that. I, I, di I didn't look at that. It, that is shocking to me. Um, absolutely shocking. That that has to be tied to the Kelsey not officially being ruled in uh, news. But yeah, that's, that's wild to me. <laughs> very, very surprising number. Um, so you mentioned the the heavy money on the total, pushing it at, at up to, to 51 and a half, um, 97 percent of the money. And for when when for anybody that might be new to this types of conversation, when we say bets versus money or handle 
uh, there's a very important distinction. The the money or the handle coming in is actually usually reflective of where the the professionals are betting. You know, you could have 95% of the bets coming in and 65% of the money on that play. It's not necessarily going to be a public play. Uh, or it's, I'm sorry, that's more likely to be a public play than a sharp play because recreational bettors are not putting up the type of money that professional bettors are. So when you see 97% on the over relative to what the model projects, what's your assessment on that number? Do you feel like now that it's past that key number of 51, um, that maybe it's a little bit too high or do you still feel like there's room to go? Yeah, I actually think there's room to go. I mean, this opened at 50. I'm looking at the game page over on BetQL right now. Um, it's gone from 50 to 51 and a half. I see it at now. I know some places still have it at 51. Um, I'm looking at the timestamps on these. Um, it looks like over the last day or so, it went from 51, some places 50 and a half to 51 and a half. I still think this has room to move. Um, I know that you got it at 50 and a half, right? Yes. Uh, I have so yeah, I, I think I'm still comfortably here on the over. Both of these offenses, I think, have the ability to put up a lot of points. I think this is going to be a back and forth style game. If I had to put my money on one game being a shootout this weekend, it'd probably be this one. And I want to see it happen. So it's one of those situations where I'm trying to speak, I'm trying to bet it into existence. Uh, ben. Nope. I, I think, uh, this has some pretty high scoring potential here. All right. So looking at the projections over at BetQL, you mentioned Calvin Ridley. Um, great start in his return from the year-long suspension. I think there were a handful of us that really looked at this opportunity in Jacksonville and thought, this is somebody that can make a dynamic impact on what appeared to be an offense really starting to take off in the second half. And I always talk about Doug Peterson being the adult in the room uh, versus Urban Meyer. For Trevor Lawrence and the the noticeable improvement from year one to year two was sizable to say the least. The model loves Ridley. I know that you like Ridley as well. Why? Oh, absolutely. And you can make the argument that outside of Tyreek Hill, I mean, Tyreek Hill was by far and away the best receiver in week one. You could make the argument that Ridley was the most impressive wideout in the entire league. Um, he caught eight passes for 101 yards, but he also had another really long touchdown called back on a penalty as well. So he very easily could have had like something like 150, 160 yards, two touchdowns. He was running his routes with his typical fluidity, consistently getting open, had an obvious connection with Trevor Lawrence, which was really the concern going in here. Because of course, Trevor Lawrence had guys like uh, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, the concern here, uh, Evan Ingram even. Um, so lots of mouths to feed, but it was pretty obvious to me, at least watching this game in week one and kind of rewatching uh, some plays here on on the the offensive side um, that they have a really nice connection. And since Chris Jones is back and now paid, he's now a happy man uh, for the Chiefs here. I expect the Jags to have a bit of resistance, way more resistance, I should say, running the football. I'm not high on their uh, running backs in this particular game. For that reason, and I expect them to pass the ball even more. In two meetings against the Chiefs last year, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 40 times, 39 times. I expect another pass-happy game plan here. If he sees, if Ridley sees, I should say, uh, 10 to 12 targets in this matchup again, I think he should easily go over this number. And I think that this is another situation where looking back on this, say like 
week seven, week eight, week nine, we're going to look back and say, wait a second, Calvin Ridley in week two, 67 and a half receiving yards. Uh, like that was quite a time for us. I think he's going to be in the 80s by that point, uh, to be honest, or at least high 70s week over week. Um, so I think that when we look at value, this is clearly the number one play from a player pro- perspective. And like I mentioned, BetQL has 120, 120 receiving yards uh, projected for him, which makes this a five-star value. All right. So one other thought on this game is you mentioned that you love the Ridley line. I do as well. How does that correlate towards any Chiefs-related props? Are you looking at it and saying, okay, if Jacksonville's likely throwing the ball, particularly more so in the second half, maybe playing catch-up with Kansas City, does that mean we look at somebody like Isaiah Pacheco, who's a, a four-star when it comes to over 10.5 rushes at even money right now over at DraftKings, according to the BetQL model? Are we looking at Mahomes to maybe go under his his passing yard total, knowing that Kansas City might be more likely to run if they're up in this game? How do you look at the number for Ridley and then maybe use it as a correlation for either a Chiefs prop that you may or may not like, or also the actual spread, knowing that BetQL has this as a two-point win for Kansas City when we're looking at an available line of three and a half. Yeah, like picking a side in this game is really tough. I do like the over, like I mentioned, and I expect it to be this kind of back and forth game. Obviously, if I had a read where, you know, say I thought the Chiefs were going to go up and I, I'd project them to run the ball more and, and kind of keep the clock moving, play ball control, I would be high on one of the running backs potentially. But the the problem with Kansas City to me from a player prop perspective is that there are so many guys that can catch passes from Mahomes. There are so many guys that can run the football. Like they can even run the football with wide receivers in this offense. So that's the problem here. Outside of Kelsey, if Kelsey plays, then that's someone who I think I could correlate with Ridley um, and say, okay, if I had to put my money on one guy on Kansas City making impact in the passing game and say these teams are going to go back and forth and say I trust Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence and I need to pair them with one guy each, or want to do that just from a correlation perspective, maybe in like a four-leg parlay uh, where I tease the the numbers down a little bit even for some extra safety, then I'm certainly going to go Kelsey because I think he's one of these guys that when he is healthy, we're going to see him with approach 15 targets a game. And that's not even an exaggeration. That puts him up there with guys like Justin Jefferson and in the DFS world, of course, I've been conditioned to to roster him and guys like him and Mark Andrews because they're priced at like tight end salaries and expected to produce as tight ends, but they're actually producing as wide receiver ones week over week. So a guy like Kelsey, someone who always has value um, just because he comes in with this tight end stigma, but he actually in this offense is going to produce as a wide receiver one. So if he plays and we expect him to play, that's someone who I'm going to go to. Yeah, really, really good stuff heading into the week two matchup for Kansas City and for Jacksonville. Again, if you're looking at the latest odds for this matchup, Chiefs currently on the board as a three and a half point favorite. Uh, again, you can still search around a little bit. You can still find three, including at DraftKings. Uh, slightly juiced at minus 115, but you can still get it at three. Uh, it is still available at three and a half. But again, if you're, you're likely watching the show more often than not, you're probably leading towards the Kansas City side. Uh, if you're looking at the total, as Dan and I have both mentioned as well, 
Uh, Jags come in uh, in this game either 51, 51 and a half, depending on the book. Uh, the highest total, I believe, on the board by a, a pretty considerable margin uh, for this week. Uh, so there is, again, if you talked about shootout potential, uh, as Dan did a little bit earlier, uh, there is going to be very much uh, consideration for this game to score plenty of touchdowns, hence the more reason if you're looking for some overs in the prop market, uh, this might be an opportunity as well. If you're looking, like Dan also said, to maybe consider a parlay or maybe move some lines around, I would encourage you to consider doing that over with our friends at DraftKings, especially with this game where I think the the line is very much in favor of what we're seeing for Chiefs fans on that 51 and also uh, for the... Uh, for that line at three as well. Football is back in full swing. There's another week of Epic Games, and they have you covered on all the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and new customers can get $5 on football. Or excuse me, new customers can get $5. Um, That's good. It's fun to get $5. It's even more fun to get $200 instantly in bonus bets if you bet $5 on football. Nobody is missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download the app now. Use code KCSN to sign up. Remember, new customers can bet 5 bucks, take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code KCSN. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Just call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Uh, I probably said that wrong for the second straight week. That's okay. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. <sighs> okay. With that being said, we're going to take one more break. Come back on the other side. Go through some of our other favorite games on the week two slate with Dan Karpuk over at BetQL. Stay with us. This is Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, Dan, I don't know if I'm sweating from that that latest DraftKings read uh, or whether it's just a, a little bit hot in my uh, my parents' house this week uh, in Chicago. But uh, either way, I, I'm ready to you know, watch for this transition. That was a lot of words. I have to say, that was a lot of words there. That you, that you it was a big old word salad. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. We, we, we somehow got through it together. So I know that there's a, a several different props that you, you like on the board. Um, a couple bets that I'm certainly intrigued by, uh, and I was fortunate enough to jump on them a little bit on the earlier side before the line moved. You had a couple short dogs at home uh, with the Houston Texans uh, hosting Indianapolis. Uh Texans defense, I thought, was much better than maybe I anticipated. Offense still plenty much uh, room for improvement, uh, really not being able to move the ball much on Baltimore. Uh, and then you have the Falcons, who at one point were a one, one and a half point dog at home against what I thought to be a very overvalued Green Bay Packers team. Um, 
who came and played my Chicago Bears and just beat them to a drum like they've been doing for God knows how many years. The line has moved pretty substantially, making both the Falcons and Texans favorites. Now, I was fortunate enough to be able to get on both those lines when they were dogs, and I teased them to seven and a half. But if you're looking at both those games now, do you look at Atlanta and Houston and say to yourself, okay, with this movement, before the line gets to you know anything above two, do you still look at those games and say there's there's still some value there, or maybe are you are you on the other side for Green Bay and for Indianapolis? What are your thoughts on on those two matchups in particular? Yeah, so I I definitely think um, like we mentioned for the Colts Texans, I think the values on the total there, um, just because you know the BetQL is projecting that in the mid 40s and it's still 39 and a half right now. We do have. The Colts favored by one point in that game. I that's a three star bet just because the Colts are are one point underdog now. Like you mentioned, I would side with the Texans. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Um, you said you got the Texans at, at what price? At, at plus one and a half, plus uh, one and minus yeah. one ten, and then tease them with the Falcons, who are also at plus one and a half. So I, I moved that line six points. To have both those teams at plus seven and a half this week. Love that. Yeah, they made Lamar Jackson look pretty uncomfortable last week. Like um, they they were swatting at the ball. We saw that, you know, they did give up 25 points. Yes, but we saw the impact I think that D'Amico Ryans is going to have on that defense specifically. And they have some playmakers now there um, that I think are going to are going to probably make life a little bit difficult. Anthony Richardson, I think also going back and looking at that game against Lamar Jackson, like. We are now seeing a guy who is the lesser Lamar Jackson with Anthony Richardson here. And I think that's a that's a brutal schedule to have to play two mobile quarterbacks, probably the two most athletic quarterbacks in the league from a running perspective in back-to-back games. But I think that that's probably going to help the Texans as well, especially because they're at home and they just saw a better version of Anthony Richardson with tons of years of experience with better weapons. So now I think they're going to be able to key in on him uh, Anthony Richardson also got banged up. He was going for trying to score a second touchdown, by the way, which would have won me a plus 1,200 bet mm. last week because I had him at two plus touchdowns. So ah. a little bitter about that one. He did have one rushing score, and then he got tackled and hurt at the one-yard line. But we're, we're, we've are we moved on from that. Um, but but I think that, uh, like you said, uh, your, your teaser was right on the money. Uh, the other game here, the Falcons. I actually am very high in the Falcons uh, this season. We have them... Uh, with a 56.5% chance. So we have the the this line exactly correct at Falcons minus one and a half right now. Um, I'm very much like their approach to where Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier are going to basically run the, the football uh, more than any other team in, uh, in the league this season. Once Cordero Patterson comes back, he's going to offer some different looks. Um, I'm not a believer in Kyle Pitts, but, um, if he turns the corner, that's a big, if, uh, you know, he could do some things. Drake London last week, I don't think had a single catch. Um, so I think that, you know, this team is really all about winning. Uh, the head coach there, Arthur Smith said after the game, something along the lines of like, you know, all the fantasy nerds out there or whatever, are mad about Drake London, but I, we got the W that's all I care about. Um, something along those lines. So, um, a little bit, uh, I wouldn't go bet uh, any Drake London props, but I, I do like uh, the Falcons uh, to, to win this game at home. So I really like what you did there with that with that teaser. 
Yeah, I, and I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit too because I wanted to throw uh, Philadelphia in the mix when that line got uh, all the way down to, to six uh, and just basically take them as a pick in that game against Minnesota. Um, that could have been a nice way to, to make that, that teaser a bit of a sweetheart. There's also a few other plays that were available on the board as well. One other underdog that I am looking at this week that I, I really think basically... And again, coaching is going to be a key part of this. Um, but I like Chicago as a live dog this week on the road at Tampa. The Bucks played a very solid game defensively. Cousins made a bunch of mistakes. Um, you know, Baker didn't turn the, the the football over. But in going through some of the sort of ancillary numbers with Chicago, they were very good against Green Bay on on first and second down. It was third and fourth down, third down in particular, where I think it was sixty five percent. For Green Bay on third down, like that's that's not going to usually correlate week over week. Um, and for as much as Tampa is kind of set out to stop the run game, and Chicago has done that effectively, I, I think the Bears recognize that they need to take more shots downfield, especially now that that DJ Moore is there. I don't think Tampa's very good. I just think they looked good for one week, and I'm not going to look at Baker Mayfield as any sort of wrecker um, two weeks in a row. Do you look at Chicago in this spot, especially given the movement from three now down to two and a half past that key number, that they might be sitting in a spot where they're a bit undervalued this week, even though Sharps appear to be on Chicago? Oh, 100%. Uh, th- one of the first things I did this week was was circle this game, and I'm a very high on Chicago, very high on Justin Fields. Um, like you mentioned, uh, both Fields and the head coach, Matt Eberflus, went out and said, We were too conservative last game. We need to give our playmakers opportunities down the field. Basically, I I was shocked to actually hear this from Justin Fields. He basically said, like, I didn't give our playmakers opportunities. No 50-50 balls. Like, I need to look downfield more. And he took full ownership of that. So credit to him, the young quarterback, really getting out there and and taking the blame for some of that. But in like you mentioned, this Tampa Bay defense, they're a pass funnel. So they are going to sell out against the run, and they are not going to allow the, these running backs to do much on the Bears this game. Last game here, they held the Vikings to 41 rushing yards. And I mean, yes, it was Alexander Madison, and we saw what he just stunk up last night. So I don't know how much of that is is going to be too. It's not going to be as significant as that, I don't think. But they allowed 328 passing yards to Kirk Cousins last game. Looking back, and I mentioned you know my process here as someone who played DFS and consistently plays DFS is we want to roster passers in the passing offenses against uh, Todd Bowles led teams and Tampa in Tampa Bay is a Todd Bowles led team here. So last week I, I got the Justin Fields over 169 and a half passing yards, which is criminally low in my opinion here. He went 24 for 37, 216 yards, touchdown and interception last week. Um, he should be able to make things happen here. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, uh, the the running backs last week actually made a lot of impact in the in the passing game as well. They caught a lot of passes. Um, I think Fields, just his ability to be more aggressive this week, give his receivers opportunities. They're going to have those opportunities on the outside. So someone like DJ Moore, um, maybe parlaying both of them or just taking straight bets on, on DJ Moore. Um, he His prices should uh, you know, be much more manageable this week. They weren't even that high last week. His numbers, 
I should say. Um, so I think he's in like the low to mid fifties in terms of receiving yards. Um, I would definitely take the over there. Um, but I think Fields is going to soar over this number. 169 and a half is just too low. It's just too low in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, especially given, you know, we always talk about when it comes to daily fantasy about the squeaky wheel game. Like maybe you're you're thinking about it from the Drake London perspective. Um, again, that kind of scares me if, if Jair Alexander is going to be shadowing him. But uh, more often than not, the week to week correlations of if a guy has a really down week um, and it's constantly discussed and there's a narrative involved in it or vice versa, if a guy just went ham and you're likely to to go and follow that trend, they're yeah. probably going to get a little bit more coverage and thus the, the under is more likely to hit. With, with Fields, he has the innate ability to be able to throw the ball downfield and guys like Mooney, who was still his first read uh, on the bulk of those plays. Like there is a lot of confidence that Fields has in Mooney and you're starting to see it with DJ Moore as well, even though the targets weren't there. Um, So I I do think that they're going to take more chances downfield and especially what you said about Todd Bowles and those types of defenses, The, the running game, even though as much as Chicago likes to have that type of culture, be a part of it because they don't have a good offensive line they're going to have to take chances downfield to be able to win this game. And I, I certainly think that they're going to be able to do so. All right, before we get to your favorite props of the week, and we've already covered a, a few with both uh, Calvin Ridley over 67 and a half, as well as Justin Fields over 169.5 uh, on the week as well. Looking at the the rest of the slate collectively, are there any games, are there any totals um, that, that maybe catch your eye a little bit more so than others? Do you think that there's still some value as we tape this on a Friday that remain on the board? Yeah, I still think that Jets Cowboys, like right when the the Aaron Rodgers injury happened, I instantly went and bet the under. I got it at like 44. Um, so I'm really happy with that. Yeah. Um, we have that projected in the Jets Cowboys game. We have it projected at 33 and a half. That's <laughs> in all my years with BetQL, I think other than like that, there was some crazy rain game a couple years ago that I remember that it was like 31, but this is like the second lowest total I've seen. And it makes sense, right? I mean, obviously the Cowboys defense was flying all over the place last week in their shutout against the giants. The jets showed that Josh Allen, like they basically dominated Josh Allen. So I think both of these, uh, obviously there's some hype built up. It's just one week. We can't overreact too much, but when we look at the, the potential scoring on both of these teams, like, I don't trust Zach Wilson. If Daniel Jones looked like that against this Cowboys defense, I don't trust that Zach Wilson is going to be able to make plays and move the ball down the field with any regularity whatsoever. On the other side, we know that Dak Prescott struggles throwing interceptions, and this defense last week forced Josh Allen into some really terrible situations. I just think that the under, even still at 38.5, shockingly still has some value here. And we list that as a five-star play at BetQL still. So uh, get in on it if you still like it. I know it's a little scary in today's NFL, um, but that's the the one bet that I immediately jumped on and still think there's value on right now. Yeah, no doubt about it, especially given what we know about Zach Wilson. And the narrative, interestingly enough, has been his Jets teammates are backing him up. Everybody's fully on the Zach Wilson train. Uh, Dallas's defense and... You know, I I substantially undervalued them, 
not necessarily because I didn't buy into their defense this year, but collectively, I, I don't buy in long term to Mike McCarthy as a play caller. Um, and there's a lot of really smart people in this industry that have basically gone all in on Dallas as, as a very good Super Bowl value. And again, I don't know if the Giants are that good, but they looked dominant and Prescott was in line and the running game looked good and there was good protection and the defense was dominant. So now they get another week to be able to flex their muscles a little bit against the Jets team that no longer has Aaron Rodgers. All right, so here's how we're going to close out the show today. I know that there are three other props on the board that you love for this week. And again, I encourage all of you guys to check out Dan's show, NFL Prop Zone, on Saturdays on BetQL, as well as to follow him on Twitter, on X, at Daniel Karpuk, to be able to get a lot of this information. You can find the read-up as well at BetQL. It's uh, pinned to the top of his Twitter page. So let's go over those remaining three props for your favorites of the week. And again, for anyone that just joining us now, um, the ones that we talked about, Calvin Ridley over 67 and a half receiving yards in that game against Kansas City, as well as the one we just discussed, Justin Fields over 169 and a half passing yards. What are the other three for this week? Yeah, so Christian McCaffrey over 64 and a half rushing yards at the Rams. Once again, this is one of the ones where I was like, hold on a second. I had to do a double take. I did a triple take. It was still 64 and a half. So uh, this is definitely one of the ones here that uh, that I'm keying in on. Any concern over Elijah Mitchell or even Jordan Mason stealing any carries from him was essentially erased in week one. McCaffrey played 85% of the offensive snaps. Mitchell played 15%. Mason didn't get on the field. McCaffrey took 22 carries for 152 yards en route to a dominant 30-7 to win against the Steelers. So we think about this Steelers team we don't typically like to to back running backs against them, but he absolutely torched them. Uh, the front seven was expected to be ferocious uh, in, in Pittsburgh, and that didn't exactly happen. Um, the Rams shockingly shut down the Seahawks last week. I don't expect that to happen again here. This That Seattle offensive line is nothing compared to San Francisco's. I expect him to dominate on the ground once again. And a lot of people are going to target Brandon Ayuk here. I am not going to be one of those people. He's going to be mega chalk in DFS. He's a lot of people are going to bet over his props in in uh, the betting world. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to instead trust McCaffrey. And I think the game script is going to work in his favor too. Uh, the Niners are big favorites at the Rams this week. And I think he's going to crush on the ground. So definitely over 64 and a half rushing yards for Mr. McCaffrey. Moving on to James Cook over 66 and a half rushing plus receiving yards versus the Raiders. Uh, in week one, he ran the ball 12 times for 46 yards, also caught four of six targets for 17 yards against that elite Jets defense on the road. But most notably here, he played 41 snaps. That's 59% compared to just 16 by Latavius Murray and nine from Damian Harris. So the, the thought that those guys are going to vulture too much work from him wasn't really there. Um, therefore, I think he has a firm grasp on the uh, the running back one role and what should be a powerful offense that has a lot to prove here. So last week, um, it's also notable that Broncos running backs, Javante Williams, Samaje Pirine carried the ball 21 times for 93 yards and caught eight of 10 targets for 42 yards against this Raiders team. I expect Buffalo to heavily utilize Cook in this spot. And remember, again, going back to the DFS world here, this Raiders defense has been a, a defense to target for pass catching running back since the start of last season 
No team has allowed more receiving yards to running backs than this Raiders team, and they've also allowed the third most reception and third most targets to the position. So receiving upside and rushing upside for Cook this weekend. Absolutely love him. And finally, Bijan Robinson over 17 and a half receiving yards versus the Packers. So last week, Robinson made his NFL debut uh, for the Falcons with six catches on six targets for 27 yards and a touchdown. Also had 10 carries and 56 yards when he split work with Tyler Algier. This, in my opinion, is a clear misprice. This might be this might be the the second most uh, obvious misprice to me other than Fields this week, um, especially considering what the Bears running backs just did to the Packers defense last week. Chicago's running backs, the, the trio there, caught 11 of 15 passes for 80 yards in that matchup. Obviously, the Bears were playing from behind, so that's obviously going to play into that number. But it did give a little bit of a blueprint to what could happen and how susceptible they are to the passes out of uh, passing out of the to someone out of the backfield. Um, Robinson should be heavily utilized, I think, um, and that his solid debut pretty much uh, was was pretty clear that this team wants to use him as a pass catcher as well as someone who's going to take traditional carries. So Bijan Robinson over 17 and a half receiving yards versus the Packers finishes up my five player props. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to uh, end this show, hop on board, find them, tail them, uh, and enjoy a, uh, a very, very fun week two in the NFL. Just to close things out, uh, I know that we didn't have a chance to go over some of my favorite plays in week one last week, so I'll mention here. A um, couple of these numbers, again, may not necessarily be available, so you can always try to find them live. Mentioned that uh, Houston and Atlanta, I teased that number for both of them when they were one and a half point favorites. Uh, have both of them at plus seven and a half as part of a two-way six-point teaser. Very much on board. I think both of those teams went outright. I'm also on the over for Kansas City and Jacksonville at over 50 and a half. Uh, if you like it at 51, you can still probably jump on board. As we mentioned, that number is fully in play. Taking a big favorite at home this week. I, I think Buffalo bounces back. I have zero trust in, in the Las Vegas Raiders, even coming off of a big road win. Teams that are playing their second consecutive game on the road have often struggled. Buffalo needs a bounce back as big as anybody. Seattle, I think, was catching too many points this week. I like them at plus six. That number has dropped, I believe, to five or four and a half. And then the the always fun um, round robin, uh, which is something that I love to do. I always like to throw mostly, Dan, um, you know, money line underdogs. But again, with Atlanta and Houston no longer uh, being available here this week, I'm going to include them just because I still think the value is there at a small number on the money line, but also including Chicago at plus 120. Uh the Patriots at home against the Dolphins. I thought that was a team that probably should have beaten the Eagles last week. They're home for the second consecutive week. I think they're going to do some things uh, that might slow down to it just a little bit. Don't know if they'll be able to do it for Tyreek Hill, but maybe Tua in general. I think plus 130 is a reasonable line for New England at home. And then you always want to try and find one big dog on the board. And for me, I'm not expecting it. But again, we just need three of these to hit for us to be able to make money on these plays. The Rams at plus 270 as a seven-point underdog in a divisional game at home against a 49ers team where, yes, historically, Kyle Shanahan has gotten the better of Sean McVay. Uh, but if Stafford is fully healthy, which he looks like, and the defense is able to start playing at the level that we saw and maybe became accustomed to them from them last week, 
you know, I, I looked at the Rams at the beginning of the season. This is when Cooper Cup was still available, Dan, as a very, very big dark horse pick to win the division. Now, San Francisco looked amazing. Uh, and I still think at some point, you know, we'll see about Brock Purdy. At some point, I think there's going to be enough scouting on him. But they look dangerous. But again, divisional game at home with that type of number. I think you got to include it in at least for one leg of this round robin. So that's where I'm two, going for this. It's 2-2 two, two Atwell season as well. Just so everyone knows, it's 2-2 two, two yeah. Atwell season. Yeah. So. Puka, Puka and 2-2, two, two, uh, <laughs> your, your new favorite words uh, when it comes to, to being an L.A. Rams fan. Dan, this was so much fun. I love your insight. I love your opinions and breakdowns when it comes to all these different games, these numbers, these props. Again, please do give him a follow over on Twitter and on X at Daniel Karpuff. Read his work over at BetQL. Uh, become a subscriber. Uh, I just had an opportunity to really dive in, and and some of these numbers have been super helpful in compiling research each and every week. I appreciate your time, man. This is so much fun. Thanks for hopping on Benny and the Bets this week. Thank you for having me. You're one of the best guys in the industry as well, and and you know I love what you're doing here with the platform, and and happy to be on anytime. And the door's open for you as well. You got it. Thanks so much, Dan. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.